Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Can you believe we are on the final Monday of August? What? I can't believe summer is almost over, all the kids are going back to school, and you know what that means. It means more time to read, right? So many good books coming out this fall. And today you are in for a big treat because we have on a Celtic witchy fantasy author, can't wait for you to meet her, Katrina Engelhart. And if you have not read her book yet, you are in for a big treat. And I believe there's a second book coming out soon. So we'll talk about that too. But if you haven't read her books yet, I will read her bio here so you can get to know her. Katrina Engelhart is an award-winning author from Montreal with a multilingual prowess in English, French, Italian, and Spanglish. A dedicated academic, she holds a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and a Graduate Certificate in Script Writing and a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. She is way too smart for me, guys. Um, (laughs) Inspired by the Wizarding World, the Land of Narnia, and Parallel Plains, she pinned the Wise One inviting readers to connect with nature and its ever-present magic. Her exploration of the landscapes and folklores of Ireland and Scotland greatly influenced her debut YA urban fantasy, making the inception of the Scottish Scroll series. That's what we're going to talk about today. I can't wait. KT Englehart is a passionate advocate for bunnies, thanks to her late Neanderthal <laughs> dwarf magic, the inspiration behind her imprint, The Magic Dwarf Press. When she's not writing or diving into magical reads, she revels in hiking, antiquing, and Netflix binges alongside her high school sweetheart turned husband, Andy. They currently live in Toronto with their pets, Nessie, a rescue dog from Puerto Rico, and their whimsical bunnies, Onks and Sterling. I did put a link to... Katrina's website. It is right there on the blog talk site. So if you are listening live today with us, you can click that anytime, sign up for her newsletter and get connected on social media. And even if you're listening later, you can click that link (laughs) and get connected. So without any further delay, are you there, Katrina? Yes, I'm here. And you're all the way up in Canada. Is it still smoky up there where you are? Oh, uh, in BC it is. Unfortunately, it's been really bad. Um, I'm in Toronto. We're all clear here. Um, but yeah, we did see some very bad air in the summer about a month ago. Kind of traveled over here. So okay. yeah, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful day today. Sunny, it's hot. A little bit of a, uh. a bit of a fall <laughs> breeze coming. I think I sense it in the air, and I'm excited about that. Love fall. Yeah, the other night I heard some leaves blowing and I thought, spooky time is coming. I can't wait. Halloween's my favorite. (laughs) Oh, my favorite too. Absolutely. I I released my first book around Halloween because of the the vibes and of course, yeah, the uh, Salon Festival and everything. So, Yeah. Well, speaking of your first book, that's the wise one. Do you want to tell everybody all about it? Why they should go grab a copy this week? Sure. Oh, my God. I really hate when people ask me, what's your book about? I think it's the most difficult question. (laughs) Okay, I'll give it a go. Uh, So it does, it follows a teenager named McKenna 
Sophia. She's from a small town in Massachusetts. Um, and she learns she has, on her 17th birthday, she learns she has uh, innate magical gifts. So um, when she finds out, uh, she journeys to Ireland in search of answers and uh, in search of her birth mother who would have those answers. Um, and then she finds out she's sort of tied to this ancient prophecy and uh, she can see spirits and uh, she can trespass into a realm of fairies and that. And my favorite part of it is that it takes place in the 90s and that it ha- and she has two dads, which of course back then was not so, uh, you know, accepted. So she's, um, yeah, she's had a bit of a different life path than most. Yes, and I love that, um, well, <laughs> I love that you tied the witches in with Celtic magic. How did you come around to that idea? Um, oh, my God, so many, so many things. Everything sort of tied together um, because, well, I, I grew up, I grew up, just watching everything witchy, any television show, Charmed and reading Harry Potter and everything magical. Um, so I knew when I was penning, like when I was outlining my first book, that it would be magical and witchy. Um, and then I was also around that time that I was writing, uh, my husband and I were planning our honeymoon to Ireland and Scotland. Um, somewhat purposeful because I, I just knew it had to take place in these, in these places and I knew I had to go. I've never, I had never physically gone and I, it's been a dream of mine. So um, learning on that trip about the folklore of Ireland and Scotland and of course being in those magical, like, mystical, completely stunning landscapes, um, it really inspired the story. So yeah, it's like kind of a road trip, the first book. It's just like going to the places I've been to and I really tried to bring the magic out from the landscape that we saw and the people who are also so kind. And, and then, um, yeah, the history behind it. And, of course, the real-life witches that are from certain places like Kilkenny. There's a legend of a witch there that I've incorporated into my story. So that sort of thing. I hope that's not too wordy. But, yeah, that's, it's just a, it's a big question. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Well, when you came up with the series, the Scottish Scroll series, did you plan how many books there will be? How, or are you just playing it by ear, depending on ideas? What are you thinking? Um, I knew there would be three. I don't know whether there there will be more. It's been called a trilogy before, but I I honestly don't know if it'll conclude in the next in the third book. Um which I know a lot of people don't like to, to hear that. They're like, I want to know exactly how many I have to wait out for. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely three. Uh, it, I may end it at four. I may end, it, may end it at three, something like that. Okay. And book two comes out soon, doesn't it? Can people pre-order yeah. it? Yes, it's up for pre-order right now, but just the Kindle version. I don't think Amazon allows to, uh, to like put a print up for pre-order for some reason. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then it will be released November 16th. Oh my gosh, yeah, so soon. Yes. And it's called The Twin Flame? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's the sequel to The, the Wise One, and uh, it's uh, more of McKenna learning, uh, learning more about her abilities and just like kind of um, honing her skills and like getting into the bit of more darkness within her that she she's 
not sure whether to fight or embrace. Like, so there's a, there's some morality issues definitely going on in the second one, but it is more magical than the first. Um, and yeah, it takes place in Scotland, whereas the first one takes place in Ireland. Oh, wow. And you said that this is like YA urban fantasy, but does it have a love interest? Is there like a romance subplot going on? There is a romance subplot. I don't like to lean into it too much because I know there are such devoted paranormal romance readers out there, and it's it's just not it's not that it's not a paranormal romance. But there is an enigmatic, good-looking guy. <laughs> there you go. He's, there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, he's around, and he's super cute. And um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a subplot rather than a main plot. Right. Right. Yeah, but we like to know that there is someone for us to root for. <laughs> yeah, or you may not. I don't know. He's a little sketch sometimes. So Okay, okay. <laughs> I like guys who need a little redemption. That works for me. <laughs> oh, same. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a fan of gray areas, too. I like when people form their own opinions, and it's like everyone has a backstory, even villains, and I yeah. find that so interesting. Yes, villains are always the hero of their story. They always have a reason. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to ask, because when I was looking at your website and things, and you have your degree in journalism, um, I, I was just wondering what your writing journey for writing a fiction novel looked like. Were, were you a journalist and then you got this idea, or did you always want to be a writer? How did you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to publish this book? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, my journey's super, super weird. Um, I guess I, I did always want to be a writer. Um, I'm, I'm going to say ever since like grade school, I kind of, I had like this, like, um, we had to do this, uh, speech competition sort of thing. And, and like you had to present something to the class and I presented, um, why friends was the best TV show on earth, you know, and I was, I was, I know I was young, then, but I was really into it. Uh, and, and I was apparently very entertaining, and the class voted me to go through to the next round, which is, like, presenting in front of the whole school. And I was like, oh, hell no. But I realized then that I was like, okay, well, I'm not an actor or performer, but I really enjoyed writing that. And ever since then, I've paid more attention to the fact that I really love telling stories. So since then, and then throughout high school, I, I think I knew I would be a writer. I was like, I'm, I'm eventually going to write for a television show, or I'm eventually going to publish books. Um but uh, journalism was more of a, I think, a, an educational path. Like the program seemed right. really interesting. It was, it was writing. So that, that to me was like, okay, well, I'll be writing in school. So let's do it. Um, not much more than that. I did, I, I did sort of think about maybe becoming a journalist. But um, to be honest, I, it wasn't. I knew it wasn't for me. Maybe within the first year, I was like, okay, this is a fantastic program. I'm learning a lot, but I'm not going to writing news articles type thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I did always want a writing job. So, like, following that, um, I uh, I got into, like, marketing positions because, like, oh, people hire people who study journalism. So I did a lot of content writing for companies while I was always, like, exploring my own creative writing path on the side. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it was my it was my master's in, in creative writing that launched this. Like, I, it, I finally took my time and I had the, the, I was in the right environment, the right guidance to be able to write uh, and publish a book. So 
I took that, I sort of seized that as my opportunity. I love that. And the script writing, is that from the dream to write for TV? Do you still have ideas for that? Do you want, do you write scripts? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that I have too many ideas and which is why I really am trying to stick to finishing this series before my brain opens up a final draft um, document and starts to write a TV show. <laughs> but because uh, I, I do that sometimes. I'm like, oh, this would be great. And then I'll close it. And I'm like, I'll, I'll get to that someday. Um, I don't even remember your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were writing scripts too, but you're, it sounds like you're going to finish the series first before you let yourself. I yes, exactly, and um, yeah, I sort of um, I uh, I did that program because I was super interested, and and it was such a great program. I had I had a blast, um, and I hope to I hope to do it one day, or maybe this book will become a show. Who knows? I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna send that out to the universe. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. We'll put out all that energy and <laughs> see if yes, the wise one might do. be the first step into a TV show. That would be cool. <laughs> I would love that more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Are you writing, well, Twin Flames probably done, but what are you working on now? I am I am a terrible editor, as in self-editor, I should say, because I keep going over drafts. Oh. <laughs> so I am doing that. I am delaying sending it to my proofreader. Uh, it's been, it's all been edited and everything already. I'm just sort of now picking at it, and then it's going to go off to the proofreader. I'm, so I'm still a little bit stuck on that. And then just like kind of spreading the word out for this book, and then I will dive into the third because I'm I'm not really capable of, starting the third while this is still on my mind. Um, but the third is outlined, ready to go. I'm just uh, just going to focus on this first. Love it. Are there other genres that you dream about writing when this is done, or do you love YA? Are you going to stay there? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I do love YA. I think it will always be YA, uh, maybe even a little lower. I, I'm interested in middle grade. Um, I think – there's such mature readers out there that even middle graders love reading YA. So that is still the audience I love the most. But uh, magical realism more, I think, for the next uh, series or the next book, like something that's a little bit more grounded in reality with magical elements. And I'm, I'm like kind of thinking about one day writing a nonfiction, um, just like kind of witchy wisdom type, type uh, narrative, you know, and things I've learned mm-hmm. and things that have helped me in my day-to-day stuff. So, yeah. Um, Love it. My <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm writing my first nonfiction book right now because I oh, had my Kickstarter um, launched and funded, so I'm making my own tarot deck, and I'm writing the nonfiction book to go with it because I've always taught practical tarot classes where you read intuitively, and then you find ways to use tarot in your everyday practical life. And so now that the Kickstarter happened, I'm writing the book, and I'm going, oh my gosh, wow, nonfiction is is that's pulling whole different muscles. <laughs> Oh, so it's been really fun. Congratulations. Congratulations on funding your tarot deck. That is amazing. Thank you. Uh, it's I, very I exciting. Dreamed, 
Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope to one day have my own oracle. I have oracle cards. I never learned to read tarot, so that's amazing already. Um, so how do, you, <laughs> how do you find, do you find there's a diff, like a huge difference for you, or do you sort of just stick with tarot? Um, well, I have tarot and oracle cards. I have a gajillion. <laughs> it's very sad. Um, <laughs> Like a, like a sickness. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> but, um, but in my defense, I do use them very much. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, I'm, re- I'm very excited about the, <laughs> the tarot deck is coming together and it's gorgeous. And so oh the book, is, so I'm writing the guidebook and the book on how to read tarot right now. So anyway, it's been wild because I have, I think I have 44 books out now, but they're all fiction. And so writing this one has been wild because it's like, you know, your internal editor as you write is always kind of mean anyway. But then when I'm writing nonfiction, she's just in my head going, boy, this is boring. (laughs) Why does anyone care? I'm like, we can't put a dead body in this book. (laughs) That's so interesting. And it is the imposter syndrome. And I think all writers that say, why should I write a nonfiction? What's so special? And why, yeah, why would anyone care? But I mean, what you're telling me so far, I'm I'm already one of your buyers and I cannot wait to order (laughs) this file deck. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been, it's been wild, but, um, (laughs) but I know that, that, uh, you know, it's just that constant, that constant internal editor that you have as you write. I just didn't realize that I would have her for nonfiction also, because I've taught this class a million times. And so I know what, you know, but anyway, just, I guess, writing it out on paper, she's in my head going, I don't know. Wow, this is really dry. <laughs> Dang it. Oh my God. That. <laughs> I'm sure it's not dry at all. I know you're the one interviewing me, but I have to ask, what's your, what's your favorite deck, and do you have the Starseed Oracle? <laughs> you know, I have so many friends who tell me, you will love the Starseed Oracle. I do oh. not have that Oracle deck yet, but you are not the first who has told me that I need to get that. But um, my favorite Oracle deck, like the one that I use for readings for other people most often is um, the mystic dreamer. I just love that deck. Um, So that's my go-to. I also like the light seers tarot and I teach tarot for writers class. And every time I do that, we all share our different decks because we're looking for the core symbolism and things. And I have gotten Mm -hmm. so many adorable decks from my students sharing their cards. So anyway, I also have the cute ghost tarot is adorable. And (laughs) highly recommend it. So cute. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and I love Halloween, so of course I have Jack o' Lantern Tarot and Halloween Tarot and the um, Nightmare Before Christmas Tarot. And but but my go-to that I use the most often is probably the Mystic Dreamer. I also have the Muse Tarot that I use for writing, and I have Pirate Tarot that I used when I was writing my Immortal Pirate books. So lots of tarot decks. <laughs> oh my god, I love that you themed your the tarot cards you used with what you were writing. I think that's like a whole other brilliant yes. method you, know, you discovered. 
<laughs> yeah, highly oh recommend if you can find a tarot deck that is kind of along the same theme as what you're writing, because <laughs> the images on the cards will really pull ideas for you and you flip the card because I'm kind of a pantser. I usually know the end of the book and the beginning and I don't know how I'm going to get there. So on days when I'm looking at the keyboard going, what's going to happen next? I shuffle tarot cards. I pull one and I go, oh, that's what's going to happen. Okay. And off I go. So. <laughs> oh my so gosh, you just solved you solved my soggy middle problem right there with that because yes. I'm the same. Yeah, I know the beginning and end, and then I'm the middle. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what right? am I doing here? Yeah. Oh, it, my God. For any writers who are listening, I so recommend having a tarot deck for your writing just because you don't even have to use the traditional meaning. You might flip over the card, and it's raining on the card, and you go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to make it rain. That'll fix everything um, because tarot is just yeah. a tool to tap into your intuition. And too often writers get caught up in what they think the plot needs, you know, what needs mm-hmm. to happen. And you end up cutting yourself off from your own writer intuition because you're so busy trying to force your characters to do something. So if you can shuffle your cards and spread them out and have the intention of what happens next, you're going to see whatever you need to see on that card and then just go with it, trust it, because that's your intuition right there. So so for any writers listening, that's my two cents on that. <laughs> no, I just got goosebumps, like for real, because that's exactly what I try to explain cards do because, you know, then you, you have like skeptics or like, or my husband who doesn't believe in anything, which is hilarious because we're very opposite for that. And he'll be like, oh, so what's going to happen in the future? And I'm like, it's not that. It's just tapping no. into your intuition. You said it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. When when people say, like, my dad is very cute, He because I it's always been my side thing that I, I've always had my tarot reading business, but my my dad will go, did you tell any fortunes today? (laughs) I'm not telling people their fortunes. (laughs) I love that. It's such a great old school. Oh my God. Right. Right. Did you tell any fortunes today? (laughs) No, I did not. It's such an important message to tap into or regularly check in with yourself. Like whether that's, mm-hmm. you don't have to be into tarot. You can just like take a walk every morning. And that's, right. that's something I'm trying to like, it's a big message for, for my book, like for me and my book as well. Like I just, it's like we forget the human aspects of ourselves easily these days because of like tech and AI right. and all these things. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, like I took 1991. First, well, I mean, I am born in 1991, but uh, so, but that's not oh, my daughter even. too. <laughs> oh, oh, you sound way too young to have someone with oh, my daughter's born you. in 1991. <laughs> thank you. Oh, well, I was a baby when I had her, but still, <laughs> <laughs> that's the story you're going with. Okay. <laughs> yes, um, that's it. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, that's it. So just to say, like, it's so important to check back in with yourself. Um, and, and, yeah, like, McKenna will do that and will try to, like, just she, – she's a bit, like, she'll do things on a whim because that's, that's the gut feeling she has. And 
like even if it means like following a bird to Ireland, like which is like a tiny part of the the story. It's like just because it it ends up being synchronistic and more so than 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 anything. So I don't know. I don't I know if that was going on other things but yeah but but I love too that when you set when you set a book you have to deal with tech is a real thing and you have to deal with what that is and if you can set it in a time when maybe tech isn't so intrusive like the Mm -hmm. 90s um you know that can really change a lot of the things that are possible in your book um, you know, because it's not going to be all over TikTok. It's, you know, in the 90s, it, we still, I think in the 90s, we still had like dial up and Nokia phones, right? I mean, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, that's even later 90s, like 1991 was rare people had, like business people might have had those big chunky cell phones. And that's mm-hmm. about it. Like, it's not a regular thing. And, and like, one of the things was, I um so for instance in the first book she's like looking up stuff about Ireland and she's doing it through Encyclopedia Britannica. It's like yes. she's not you know which makes it kids so are like more what? Fun. <laughs> yeah, sorry children. <laughs> um it's just fun. I don't know. And I had I had that as a bit of feedback with my mentor who was like editing helping me throughout and guiding and editing this book while while I was writing it in my uh, masters. And she said, why are you making it take place in 1991? What is the significance? She almost tried to convince me, like, you know, readers don't, readers like modern day settings. And I was like, I hate modern day settings. So, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Cell phone be too easy. Right, right. Well, m- whenever I have um, thriller writers on, we always talk about how do you ditch their cell phone because – Really, you can do so much on your cell phone. For thrillers, often the first thing they have to do is get it wet, or it has to get stolen, or yes. you know, because there's you can figure out too many ways out on your cell phone. <laughs> so you know, that's a it, great point for thriller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I I think it's cool that you said it in the 90s and YA readers now I think that that's probably really entertaining I hate to say it's historical but anyway it's probably really entertaining to them that they have to go to the library and use real books (laughs) what yeah call it retro call it retro not historical (laughs) yes retro there we go I like that better (laughs) we're less we're less old that way Right, right. It's just retro, yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, um, who inspires you? Everybody who listens always likes to add to their TBR pile. Wow. Who do you like to read that you put the book down and you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get to the computer? Oh, oh, my gosh. That's such a big question. Um, I, I read so I actually read across genres. I don't have a specific like YA author that like is uh that fires is, like, legendary. You up. No, I love and especially when I'm writing this genre. Actually, I read nonfiction when I'm uh, and I kind of like try to stay inspired while I write rather than read stories that are similar to mine. Um, but yeah, like I mean, Cassandra Clare is like pretty freaking amazing. Uh, Sarah J. Mass. I haven't read much. I'm not a huge, uh, huge reader of hers, but um, 
her, I've, I've read like a couple, like a long time ago. And I remember like at the time being like, it rocked my world, you know? So I, I mm-hmm. go through phases. This is the thing. Um, yeah. And I just like, I just love jumping around with, with especially nonfiction. It's weird. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I like to read um, nonfiction and watch, I call them homework TV, but I like to watch documentaries about what I'm writing about. Like I, one of my Immortal Pirate books was going to have Atlantis in it. And oh, so wow. suddenly I went down a rabbit hole of binge watching every single documentary I could find on Atlantis. It was really interesting. <laughs> And then no, I made up my own myth about it, but it was cool. No, that's amazing. And it's hard to, and it's like, I have to add that I'm, especially throughout the past few years that I'm writing this, I'm, I'm researching folklore. That's mostly what I'm reading and doing because mm-hmm. I, I really try to weave in as realistic as like the, like as accurate research as I can. And, um, and yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait, I cannot let this go, but without saying Deborah Harkness, because she is my, oh, she's yes. my favorite. Let's call her, let's call her my my everything <laughs> like she's, <laughs> she's amazing i love i love the discovery witches and yeah i guess that that would have to be my shining star if we're sticking I love with it. have you yeah. watched the show do you like the show too you know what it's excellent i was so surprised i didn't finish the second season because like i had to sign out of like i had to like log out of paramount plus or whatever and i couldn't get back in i don't know but <laughs> wherever it's in <laughs> but, but the first it, season it was, was awesome it was first first season plus half of second. It was very well done. I was surprised. I love that. Well, we're quickly running out of time, but I wanted oh. to find out how can readers get in touch with you when they read The Wise One and they're super excited. I, I have a link to your website, but are you on social media? How can readers get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at KT underscore Anglehart on uh, Instagram is probably best, and Facebook. I'm still old school, like Facebook. <laughs> um, and you can you can also email me KT Anglehart at gmail dot com and sign up to my newsletter, and I'll try to be uh, you know like sending those out. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for being here today. It was great meeting you. And everyone, go grab The Wise One. Now is the perfect time because in November, book two, The Twin Flame, will be out. So grab your book now and have fun in the 90s. I can't wait to read it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. You're a blast to speak to, Lisa. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Booklight. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.